Hi, friends. Hello. It's Jess. And it's Paige. Happy quarantine. <laughs> In case that didn't tell you already, we are still recording remotely. So we are recording through a video chatting system. Uh, things might sound a little strange, so forgive us. Life is strange. Speaking of life, I have a quote for you, Paige. Oh, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell me you forgot to come up with a challenge. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Okay. (laughs) Go ahead. This one's from Vivian Green, who I believe is an author. Life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning how to dance in the rain. Oh, I think this is a perfect quote for right now. (laughs) Yes. I'm drinking tea. You're drinking tea. I am a tea drinker now. See how this new world has changed me. Good things come from bad situations. Like tea. That's the good thing. (laughs) Um, Lipton, America's favorite tea. Uh, Regular? We're not sponsored by Lipton. (laughs) (laughs) Regular? I've put sugar in it. Regular tea. I don't <laughs> what the heck does that mean? <laughs> How do you not know what flavor of tea you're drinking? I didn't really think about the flavor. It was uh it comes in a yellow box. It's exciting to drink tea now. I never used to be a tea drinker and I find it very calming. Did you watch a free tutorial about how to drink tea? Was that what you did for your challenge page? <laughs> no, but I thought maybe this could uh suffice. <laughs> If I need to remind anybody what our challenge was from last week, it was to find a free video or tutorial or some kind of a resource that's being shared. Take advantage of that and explore something new uh, during the week. And Paige, you're telling me that you tried tea and that was about it. (laughs) Well, I have some resources, but nothing that I really got the chance to try. Okay. I mean, if anyone has listened... You're still working. I'm still working, yeah. If you listen to previous episodes, you know I'm still working. I come home. I am dead to the world. (laughs) So I drink my tea to try to calm myself and go to bed. (laughs) Well, what were your resources you were talking about? Okay, well, if I had the time, and I do want to make time for this, because despite everything that's going on, I still have days off. (laughs) So, And I can't go anywhere, so... There's a great source. This has always been available, but on YouTube, have you ever heard of Crash Course, Jess? I don't believe so. Okay, well, it's by John and Hank Green, and they teach you about different topics, and everything's free. It's very well done. It's very concise, but it's fun. And yeah, basically, you can learn anything from history to literature to science. It's a great resource. And then the other one I had was if you go on to Facebook and you look up the art of Aaron Blaze, he's a digital artist, and I really want to take advantage of this at some point, but he offers online courses, and right now they're super cheap. He's offering a lot of very cheap or free resources right now on digital painting and drawing, so I really want to try that sometime. Great. Well, I'm glad you have some things to access when you do have time. (laughs) Yeah, I got some stuff in my back pocket whenever I have the energy and the time. (laughs) Anyway, for my challenge, I've been wanting to try some yoga. (laughs) (gasps) No way. Oh, Joanna would be so proud. (laughs) I reached out to Joanna because I had no (gasps) idea where to start. Wow. We're talking about Joanna from our friends at Listen to Her podcast. I I reached out to to Joanna and asked her where I could find some free yoga classes online, and she hooked me up with a local studio, and I... Okay, so listen. (laughs) I settled... I, I wanted to start easy, what I thought would be easy anyway, so I started with a breath work class, a beginner's breathing class for yoga, which I thought, hey, it's just breathing. We all breathe. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So it was a 30-minute class, and I only made it through about half of it. (laughs) I was going to say, 30 minutes to focus on your breathing, that's a long time. That is a long time, but I mean, especially when you're not used to yoga. I mean, I, I chose to do this class largely because 
with everything that's been going on, my anxiety has been a little bit higher than usual. Mm -hmm. And anxiety shows up in different ways for different people. For me, I usually experience it partially in my breathing. Like it's a little bit harder to breathe sometimes. So I thought, hey, maybe this will help. It more so made me more nervous, <laughs> more anxious, because, like, I've discovered that if I'm thinking too much about my breathing, then I, like, it's very irregular and weird, and I, after a while, I just kind of felt, not lightheaded, but just, like, I had to stop, and I have not tried it since. But it was, it was an interesting experience, regardless. Okay, okay, let's do this. <laughs> well, we just had ten minutes worth of technical difficulties. <laughs> Love it. Okay, well, I guess we're done talking about our challenge. <laughs> okay. So this episode, we decided we're going to talk about some movies that we saw as kids and that we've been revisiting during quarantine. Woo! Because we got a lot of time on our hands. There's a certain comfort in watching things that are nostalgic when you feel like the world is out of control, that you can watch a story right. that you know what's going to happen, you know how it makes you feel. And you can just pop it in your DVD player and be like, all right, I'm going here today and nothing else is going to change that. <laughs> We're going to look at what has changed between us looking at these movies or if the movies have aged well or not so well or why these movies stick to you. So, Jess... I have, a, I have a question for you. So when you were a kid, did you understand the movie-making process? Did you understand what a movie was? Like, did you understand what Hollywood was? Like, that there was a director, that there were cameras, that there was actors and actresses. As a child, could you grasp that? Because I could I don't not. I remember <laughs> sitting and thinking about that. I don't, I don't think that I thought I was looking into a, through a window into another world, if that's what you mean. <laughs> I didn't think that these people were actually real that I can remember. I would pretend that they were. Well, you were a step <laughs> above me because I thought that movies were real. <laughs> so I have some great little stories that I'd love to share if you don't mind. So Okay, please do. So, I can't wait. <laughs> when I was a kid, I kind of understood the process a little bit. There was a window of time where I thought that movies were definitely real. And I didn't understand the director's, the movie, like, shooting process at all. But there was a point where I started to get a grasp on that. But I thought that the actors and the actresses were real people. I thought they would just go out to find these people and just record them. So when there was a, mo <laughs> when there was a movie where there was, like, a young child and then they would, like, grow up through the movie... I thought, wow, they took a long time to make this movie. I always thought that they would have to wait until the kid grew up to record the part where they were older. Okay. So I had a lot of respect for movie makers because I was like, man, these are patient people. I don't remember ever thinking that. Uh, yeah, I did for longer than I care to admit. Once I kind of got a grasp on actors and actresses, I remember distinctly watching the movie Freaky Friday. And I remember thinking in my head as a kid, wow, how did they switch these actresses' brains? I didn't understand that they were acting. I thought that they switched their heads <laughs> and then continued to act. Like, I didn't understand that them acting as each other was also acting. <laughs> how young were you when you watched Freaky Friday? I don't know. It's probably really embarrassing. But I remember thinking that the first time I watched it. When you were a kid, when you picked a favorite character from a movie, did did you always pick, like, basically the same type of character? And what I'm getting at is, when I was little, my favorite character in a movie was always the female lead, or the female character, like, the main person in the movie. Whether it was, like, so take Cars, for example. Lightning, it's The story's about Lightning McQueen, but I remember coming out of the movie theater being like, Sally's my favorite character. <laughs> And I don't know why this sticks out with me, but Cars was the first movie that I, like, remember thinking, you know what, this doesn't have to be my favorite character just because she's a girl. So, like, when I was younger, I don't know, boys were gross. <laughs> At some point, it turned to my favorite character being based more on than just gender. So I didn't have to directly relate to my favorite character. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I guess so. You didn't. You don't relate to this. Well, okay. I'm going to get into this later, but my perspective is a little different because when I was a kid, I loved animal movies. So I feel like gender 
wasn't as noticeable in those movies. I would relate to a character, like, no matter what the gender was, like, Spirit. Do you remember that movie with the horse? Yeah. I liked Spirit. He was a boy. I mean, he was the main character, but, you know, I didn't really think about whether it was a female or a male. I just knew it was a horse or a dog, and (laughs) I clung to that. (laughs) I guess when I got older, I guess I I latched onto the female characters, because you know, that's what I would relate to. But when I was really little, I just remember I liked the animals and I didn't care <laughs> what they were. Okay. No, I just, rem- I just remember there being a specific time being when I saw cars where I realized like, oh, I don't have to, my favorite character doesn't have to be the girl just because I'm a girl. So I started putting a lot more thought into characters and what it was that I liked about them. It's very introspective. When you were a kid, what was it in movies that you liked the most? Because when I was a kid, I would skip through parts of the movie just to get to, like, my favorite part. If it was a musical, we'll talk about this later, but if it was a musical, like, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, some of the songs were, like, clutch. They are like, my favorite songs in the movie, and I would go to those, and I would skip over other ones. So do you appreciate certain scenes a lot more now? Were you only interested in certain parts of movies when you were a kid? I don't know how to how else to ask this. No, do, it's do an, you understand what I'm I, getting at? I understand your question and that's interesting, but I'm I can't I don't remember ever like skipping parts of movies. I do remember hiding behind the couch during scary parts. <laughs> uh, me too. I remember specifically hiding behind the couch during Aladdin. At the very end, when Jafar turns into the snake, that was just too much. (laughs) (laughs) Too much for your little page Too much for little page. That was a scary animal. (laughs) Lina. Hold on. I gotta let Lina out the door. Is that what you want? What do you want? You just want to kiss me. Go down. Go down. Lina. Okay. Well, if you're gonna stay in here, you gotta be normal. I'd like to point out that my cat is very kindly just sleeping on my bed making absolutely no noise Jess that's very rude of you to say (laughs) my dog is an A Uh, well (laughs) she is protecting me from the mailman sorry listeners my dog is fantastic (laughs) she always listens to me okay where where were we okay (laughs) I don't know, but in case in case we didn't make it clear already, this episode is not spoiler-free, but most of these movies have been out for decades, so you've been warned. <laughs> <laughs> All right, where are we, we starting? Do we want to talk about Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Yes! Chitty Bang Bang, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> All right, Jess, what do you love about Chitty Chitty Bang Bang that has test- stood the test of time? I love everything about Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. It's so magical, and the music is just awesome. Dick Van Dyke is like my ultimate Hollywood crush. <laughs> That's <laughs> him and his bad uh, British accent and all. Although he did not use that in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which I never noticed as a child that his kids and everyone around him have British accents, and he's got an American accent. I definitely did not pick up on that as a child. <laughs> well, I read all of the trivia on IMDb, and apparently that so was that was one of his stipulations, that he wouldn't be in the movie if he had to fake a British accent. <laughs> Which, I don't know if this was made before or after Mary Poppins, because did he break his rule for Mary Poppins, or was it because of Mary Poppins? This was made after. Okay. This was made so after. So he was like, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> Well, this is one of those movies where I would skip through some songs as a as a kid. So, Hushabye Mountain, I always skipped that song as a child, but now it's one of my favorites from the movie, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't dare skip it. <laughs> yeah, I also love this movie. One of the parts that I hid behind the couch during was the horrifying child catcher scene. <laughs> yeah, probably same. scarred me for life. <laughs> Did you know that in the musical version, the child catcher has his own song? <sighs> Like, the stage musical. What a nightmare. <laughs> Gosh. Well, back to um, songs. What is your favorite song from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Oh, no. They're all so wonderful. I think this movie has great music. And I think my two favorite songs are I love when he sings to his kids while they're making lunch or breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> I love that song. 
and I love the one that he sings at the carnival with his the old bamboo. Yes. I don't know Ugh. why, but I love it. <laughs> They're all so good. But my, I think I have to say my favorite one is I think it's called Doll in a Music Box. Oh so yeah. So when when they are infiltrating this castle and they're f- pretending to be toys, my brother and I would act out that scene all oh the time. Oh my gosh, how precious. We would, we would just put in our little VHS tape into the VCR, fast forward to that song, and then we would just act it out. That is adorable. Oh my gosh. I loved that song and I love that sequence, so I feel like I would be it would be a crime not to say that's my favorite song, but mm-hmm. they're all so good. Oh my gosh, I used to love the song. <laughs> I loved the song that the bad guys would sing, the You're My Little Chitchy Face. I used to sing that with my cousin all the time. <laughs> this movie goes so hard. <laughs> they hold nothing back. Like, I feel like movies don't do this nowadays. This movie, they went so all out with filming on location, like at that castle. The costumes and everything are just so ridiculously on point and they're also stylized and the the, the green screen is a little bit to be desired but that's all they could do back then (laughs) but you can tell that they just went all out for this movie (laughs) what do you think of the characters like the characterization of everyone because I feel like there's so many we just talked about archetypes this movie is just built on archetypes like the the (laughs) wacky grandpa the inventor who can't the get anything right inventor. the crackpot and <laughs> caractacus crackpot truly scrumptious like that name itself <laughs> <laughs> i mean they just played upon archetypes but i really feel like it kind of works i mean at least for a children's story there's not a whole lot of depth to these characters but it is a romp and a half like you just want to go with these guys wherever they're going <laughs> and when you're a kid you're not thinking about the characters or you're not you're not thinking real deeply into it you're just like wow this is a great song I'm gonna dance along yeah but as an adult is there anything that you're like there's more to be desired because personally I watch this and I'm not like man I wish I knew truly scrumptious's backstory <laughs> You know? No, I mean, those questions definitely come up. Like, when I was watching it, I was like, where? I wonder what happened to the mother of these kids. Like, Mm -hmm. or, you know, Caractacus. How do you say that name? Caractacus Pot. I can't say it very fast. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Potts. Mr. Caractacus Potts. Hit that guy, his first wife. Like, what happened to her? Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, I never thought about that. But now I'm like, I wonder what happened. But it's not that I'm. It's not that I need to know for the story to be good. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's nostalgia, though? Like, if you were to go to a movie theater and watch this without any, like, history? Or is it just that's how we view it as, because it's for children, we just accept that there's going to be questions that aren't answered and that's fine? No story answers all of the questions that you have. True. It's not an important question. You don't have to know what happened to her to understand the story. It's just interesting to me how... When you're a kid, you just take everything at face value. Because mm-hmm. he still wears, like, I noticed he still wears his wedding ring. <gasps> oh, I didn't at notice At one point, that. I was like, oh, he's still got a ring on his hand. Ooh. It's those little details that I pick up on now that I never would have picked up on as, as a kid. Wow. Where you're like, huh, I'm going to make up my own little backstory as to what happened, I guess. Okay, well, I want to bring up something that also just totally went over my head as a child, which... As you have heard, a lot of things went over my head as a child. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's things that you learn about as an adult that I'm curious if it taints a movie for you. Like when I was reading the IMDb, it said that Dick Van Dyke's Dick Van Dyke didn't like this movie. (laughs) And that Dick Van Dyke was like an alcoholic during this movie. He was drinking a lot. And that the director of this movie hated children. (laughs) Um, yeah. There's a lot of things that, you know... He was he was the queen of Bulgaria. <laughs> <laughs> but does that spoil your view of a movie, knowing those things? And I want to bring up our next movie that we're going to talk about, Snow Dogs, because the leading actor in that movie is now on trial for assaulting women. Did you know that? Whoa, I did not need to know that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Spoilers, Jess. 
<laughs> well, to answer to answer your question, it does taint it a little bit because mm-hmm. I can't watch the movie without thinking, man, why doesn't Dick Van Dyke like this movie? Or yeah, and also little Jemima. Her parents were going through a divorce during this movie, so they said that she yeah. doesn't like this movie because it's just a dark Basically, time. everybody involved in this movie hated it, yeah. which is so sad it because is it's sad. such a beloved movie. Right. Yeah. So, Snow Dogs, you had no idea that this guy is on trial right now? This is probably all delayed because of the quarantine, but he's on trial for assaulting multiple women. Yeah. Well, I'm never going to watch that movie the same again. (laughs) It's so hard because I love Snow Dogs. Can we transition to Snow Dogs? Because I love it. (laughs) I loved Snow Dogs as a kid because obviously there are dogs. Dogs. (laughs) (laughs) And again, they just went so hard in this movie. Like they went all out. There was so many jokes and so many fun stuff happening pretty much nonstop. Like, this movie, that's one thing as an adult, I think, that I notice more is that movies won't slow down to develop characters in kids' movies. Like, Snow Dogs, it is just full speed ahead for most of the movie. There are points where they do slow down. Like, towards the beginning, I noticed, it goes kind of slower to establish that, you know, he's adopted, uh, he lost his mother, he's, like, revisiting her uh, place where she used to live and trying to learn about her. So I think Snow Dogs is actually a pretty decent balance, but a lot of kids' movies, they just, it's just full speed ahead, like, no stopping (laughs) action, jokes, like, everything to keep the kids' attention. And I think that is a difference between movies of our generation and movies of now, is that I think there was sort of a balance between character development and heart and action and jokes and just fun stuff. Well, when I was watching this movie, I was noticing... (laughs) it's there's a lot of physical comedy which I don't really find funny anymore (laughs) for the most part when I was a kid we had like 12 VHS tapes that we just had on rotation all the time (laughs) so we watched this all the time but I don't remember specifically what it was that I liked about it if it was like him trying to get the dogs under control every time he would go to the house and they would like attack him Uh uh-huh I remember Nana was always my favorite dog. (laughs) Yes. I mean, we're going to talk about this later, but in a movie we'll talk about in a few minutes, there's also a Border Collie. I'm like, no wonder I like Border Collies. They were in all these movies I saw as a child. Mm -hmm. I I was watching this uh, and during the dream sequence during Snow Dogs. He, like, gets knocked out while mushing, and he has a dream about being back in Miami or something, and... Uh Barb comes up to him in like a bikini. Yeah. I don't I don't remember what she said, but he was like, "Oh, she's in a bikini." And I was like, "Wow, kids movie. Whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Slow your roll." Yeah, I think that it's a weird thing that when that stuff happens, you're just like, "Do you remember that this is a kids movie?" <laughs> I don't know if I want to bring up The Black Cauldron, but that's on Disney Plus right now, and heck, that forgets it's for children. <laughs> <laughs> it is horrifying. <laughs> I have not seen and that either, so I, I can't, I don't know. I don't recommend it. <laughs> I remember, though, that I was babysitting a long time ago, and the kid that I was babysitting for asked to watch this movie, and I had never seen it before, and I was like, well, okay. And I started watching it with him, and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is horrifying. It's just another movie that I feel like just forgets it's for kids. I mean, that forgets it for basically the whole thing, but... <laughs> There's definitely kids' movies where at times they just, I don't know if they put that in for the adults, where they're like, well, we need to sprinkle something in for the adults in the movie theater right now, and the kids won't notice. I think it's interesting that kids' movies from decades ago are a lot more risky, Mm. but adult movies from decades ago are not. Like, it's like they've switched places, because in the 50s, people would be afraid that like women in the audience were going to faint when they saw this scene. Oh, it's too spooky. Yeah. Like in in like Alfred Hitchcock movies. Mm-hmm. Like this is too scary. Yeah. For the women in the audience. But in in kids movies, they're just throwing whatever they got. I mean, <laughs> Snow White's running through a spooky forest. Mhm. Apparently kids cried in the movie theater. I don't I don't remember. Yeah. I think I read some trivia about that how People were fainting in the movie theater during that scene. <laughs> I remember they. But said, do you know what? I, do you see what I mean? Like kids' mm-hmm. movies back then were like terrifying, and now they're a lot more subdued. Mm-hmm. And it's like kind of 
switched it's like the other way around for adult movies totally yeah i never thought about that and i yeah you're right i feel like we're going on such a tangent we're supposed to be talking about snow dogs i know but i kind of love it wow I noticed that when I was a kid, and I mean, if you haven't seen this movie, it's about this dentist from Miami who goes to Alaska because he finds out that he was adopted and his birth mother just died and left him like everything she owned. Uh, So he goes to Alaska and then he suddenly comes across his father who happens to be white and he's black. So he goes and he is told where his father is and he like finds him. He's like... you're white and and as a child I was like so yeah (laughs) I didn't like it didn't even occur to me that that was like any sort of social issue or anything I was just like yeah it's his dad what what do you want Mm -hmm. yep same with me never thought about it like that personal experience for me is just proof that racism is taught to kids because when you're a kid like you don't you don't, you don't care. Yeah. I, I remember when you brought up this point before we recorded this episode, I never thought about that either. The only reason I was like shocked that that was his father is that he was such a grumpy old man. <laughs> and I was like, that can't be his dad. This guy is so fun. And that guy's so grumpy. <laughs> but I never would have thought about <laughs> skin color. I just, it totally went over my head, which, yeah, I think you're absolutely right that racism is learned. It's something that kids are just so oblivious to well we were talking about scary movies can i talk about babe (laughs) that's your definition of a scary children's movie okay listen i love it has been like 20 years please please don't taint babe (laughs) it's been like 20 years since i saw babe Mm -hmm. so i had very little memory about the plot or anything about it. I had little bits and pieces of memories. So I had to rent this on Amazon to watch it. But going into watching it, I felt very uneasy. And I was thinking, why am I feeling uneasy about watching this movie? What happens in this movie that was scary to me as a child? Uh It's very eerie. Many parts of the movie are kind of dark the music is kind of eerie. The opening sequence alone, I was like, are you kidding me? Oh. Do you remember the o- opening sequence? Okay, okay. Uh, it's coming back to me. <laughs> it's like... They take they, Babe they pan, away from his they mom, pan, right? Or- well, no. Before that, the opening credits. <laughs> oh. They're panning in this, like, dark house. I guess it's, like, the farmhouse of this this couple. Okay. They're panning along the wall. these dark walls. It's very, it's very dark. It's just, like, candlelit or something. And it's showing all of this artwork on the walls that are pig related. And there's this one shot of a picture of a pig. And like as it's panning over it, the pig like opens up and it shows all of its little like intestines and like innards of this pig. Oh, no. It's like a stop motion. Paige, watch this movie. <laughs> I remember as this an adult. vaguely, but I, I don't remember the, the pig dissection. I don't. <laughs> I don't remember that as a child. I don't think I noticed it because I probably skipped over the credits every time I watched the movie. Uh-huh. But not even two minutes into this movie, I was horrified. Like I said, the the light and the music that were used in the movie, it all seems dark and foreboding. Much of the movie is morbidly teasing that this pig is going to be eaten by the farmers. The duck, there's a duck that gets killed halfway through the movie, and the other oh. duck is like, oh, that's Roseanne or something, and it's like, oh, she was so nice. And <laughs> while, they're, while they're showing, like, a shot of this duck being cut open, and it looks disgusting, I was, like, what? about to become a vegetarian just watching. Are you sure that just this watching is the same movie. movie of my childhood? I don't remember that. Paige. <laughs> watching this and wondering if you remembered any of it because I have very few images like I remembered a dollhouse I remembered paint like the pig gets covered in paint while trying to steal a alarm clock from the farmer's bedroom you're looking at me very confused are we talking about the same movie yeah okay can I give you my images to see if I'm right okay (laughs) I feel like I haven't watched it that long ago okay I remember the farmer distinctly because he had like kind of a sad but like comforting face yeah okay um I remember the border collies I remember something to do with fireworks was there fireworks at some point there were fireworks at one point, yeah. Okay. I remember that Babe learns to herd the sheep. 
Yeah, yeah, we're talking about the same movie. Okay. You need to watch this again because it's terrifying. Ba the little ram mice. You. Ba ram you. Yes, <laughs> that's freaking terrifying. <laughs> like I was watching this and just feeling such, <laughs> such like anxiety, and I don't know why. Well, I did want to bring this up. I forgot to bring it up in Snow Dogs, but I appreciate that Babe and Snow Dogs use a lot of real animals to do these movies Mm -hmm. like nowadays like the new movies coming out like uh the call of the wild it's all cgi there's no real animals involved that i can tell and i'm kind of conflicted because animals are you know working whether or not they might want to um (laughs) in these movies (laughs) for long for long hours so i'm like is that why we're transitioning into cgi animals but it's also like I don't know. Like well, these I think animals... that Hollywood thinks that C- <laughs> I think Hollywood thinks that CGI animals are more realistic looking. So strongly mistaken. They're terrifying. I'd way rather see a puppet duck than a CGI duck. <laughs> I was reading on IMDB this movie is quote sometimes considered the film that began the CGI talking animal revolution. So this movie started it all, Paige. What? (laughs) Well, there's no CGI animals in Babe, is there? There's CGI on the mouth because they move the mouth to make it talk. Oh, Oh, Babe, no. Yeah, because I have such an issue with CGI animals. And, like, I love animals and I don't want them to be put through movies if they don't want to. Like, there's a lot of issues that can arise because of that. But, yeah. you know, I believe that there's a way to happily have an animal involved in a movie. And I think it's lazy for people to use CGI and just forget about even trying to train or attempt to have a real live animal involved in a movie. I think it's very lazy. And it's I don't know if it's for the money, because how is it cheaper to make a horrifying digital creation of an animal than to just... For me, I think it's... <laughs> It's more about like, oh, look at what we can do with technology. Yeah. <laughs> Long story short, this movie was kind of terrifying as I watched it. <laughs> I No wonder I was feeling uh, anxious as I was starting to watch it, wondering why am I feeling anxious about this? There was a part in the movie where Babe asks the Border Collie Fly, he says, Fly, may I call you mom? And that made me tear up. And I'm Aww. sure that that did not make me tear up as a child. So, you know, you're able to appreciate stuff like that. And again, I couldn't remember anything about the plot or themes in the movie. There are themes about, you know, staying in your place or sticking to the status quo uh-huh. and getting out of those. Forging your own path. They, yeah, they spent, I mean, they spent the whole movie being like, you're a pig. You can't. You can't be a sheepdog. You can't do this job. This is, You're a stupid animal. You're one of the stupid animals. <laughs> oh. And I was seeing... A, you don't remember that? There's a line no. that says, pigs are stupid. The bosses only eat stupid animals, like pigs <gasps> and ducks and chickens. <laughs> oh, and they, th- those are Those animals oh are all God. speaking. So, I, you know, there are themes there that you can certainly relate wow. to, like, more adult themes. But as oh a child, gosh. I was not paying attention to any of that. <laughs> I need to rewatch this. Holy cow. You do. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, we can move on from Babe. I just... <laughs> That's the only movie that I watched that I really couldn't remember most of it. Mm -hmm. The rest of the movies, like, I had seen, you know, in maybe the past five to ten years, and I had a lot more memories about how they went. But Babe was, like, from the depths of my childhood, (laughs) and they can go back there for all I care. (laughs) Wow. Okay, so (laughs) I'm going to bring up a very controversial movie. (laughs) Oh, no. That I love, but everyone else seems to hate with, like, a burning passion. Jess, when I say the words Bridge to Terabithia, what do you think of? I liked that movie. People don't like that movie? Wow, you do? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. You warmed my heart. Because <laughs> whenever I bring up this movie, and I've seen memes about this on the internet, people just hate this movie. And I want to figure out why <laughs> so bridge to terabithia like when most people think about it they think it's i mean the big thing that sticks out is that a child dies at the end of the movie well yeah that's why i don't watch it all the time it is hard to watch <laughs> but that doesn't mean it's a bad movie yeah well i feel like there's a lot of people that just write off this movie 
I read the book when I was in fifth grade. I remember when the movie came out, I was so excited. And I remember we bought it at Kmart, and it was right before we were going camping at our cabin. And we had little access to television or anything, and I had this crappy little, like, DVD... A portable DVD player? A portable DVD player, yeah. I had one of those, and I remember sitting in my bunk bed at our cabin watching this movie multiple times while we were camping that week. My feelings about it haven't really changed. If anything, I appreciate it more as an adult. But I know a lot of people that have watched it as a kid, and they watch it now, and they hate it even more. <laughs> so See, I watched it... The first time I saw it was probably when I was a teenager, so I don't know... Well, it came if out. I have different views on it now than I did when I was younger. Well, it came out in 2007. But the things that I liked about it is I loved I love Josh Hutcherson. I still do. <laughs> but <laughs> I liked his character because he loved to draw. Um, he was kind of a quiet kid. He made friends with a girl, Leslie, who was kind of an oddball. She was an only child, and she was very imaginative. So. The combination between these two characters, I just really related to. And I re-watching it, I realized that this movie does such a good job at balancing the fantasy and the imagination and the innocence of childhood, while also bringing up the real dirty and gritty, difficult things that are involved in childhood. Because Josh Hutcherson's character, Jess comes from a very poor family. He has a lot of anger issues. He goes through like a roller coaster of emotions throughout the movie. There's times where he's depressed, he lashes out, he's bullied, and I don't know. It's just I think it's a great balance of showing how to escape those things through your childhood but also face them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Those are signs of a good movie. I don't understand why people, why there are memes about how bad this movie is. It sounds like just a bunch of people who can't handle a sad movie. I Yeah, the ending is definitely sad. There's no doubt. Like, if you want to show kids that life is not perfect, that things happen that are out of your control, I think this movie does an excellent job at showing that in a loving way. I know that this book is often censored in schools. They won't have it in the library or they won't have it as part of the reading curriculum because of its deep and a little darker themes. I know I read it when I was in fifth grade and I think I turned out all right. (laughs) And I think this goes with what you were saying, Jess, that we don't allow kids to have those risky experiences. We kind of just sugarcoat everything and give them clouds and rainbows and fluffy unicorns and we don't allow them to know what real life is like. I do appreciate that they show how hard it is for Jess when Leslie dies. Like he kind of goes through like the stages of grief and he rekindles a relationship with his father because he has such a horrible relationship with his father the whole movie and his little sister. And then at the end of the movie, he loses his best friend, but that also opens the door to relationships with other people in his life who he didn't get along with, but now they realize, you know, that life is short and you have to love those around you. And I think that's such a good message for kids. I just don't understand why there's so much hatred for this movie. It breaks my heart. I think it's, if I had a kid, I would absolutely show them this movie as soon as I think they'd be able to process it in some small sense. Yeah, I was going to ask, how old do you think is appropriate? I don't know if I ever really considered this to be a quote-unquote kids movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I think kids movie, I'm thinking like something that a six-year-old can watch, and I don't think I would let a six-year-old watch this movie. Okay, I agree with that. I, I mean, like I said, I read this book when I was in fifth grade. If I would go off of how I experienced this book and this movie, I would say about fifth grade, because that's when I read the book and fell in love with it, and that's when, shortly after I watched the movie. I just want, listeners, if anyone else out there has some love for Bridge to Terabithia, please let me know, because <laughs> there's very few people. Jess, I think you're honestly the only person that I've ever talked to that appreciates this movie in some small sense. I think you've got you've got one more movie and it's like your all-time favorite movie. <laughs> yes. Okay. If you want to know the movie that shaped who I am today, <laughs> 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 
it's 101 Dalmatians, the original animated Disney spectacular. I love this movie. I still do. This is your future. You are going to have 101 dogs. (laughs) Please. Yes. (laughs) This is the movie that I watched as like a itty bitty child. (laughs) I had so many stuffed Dalmatians. Like, when you see little kids dressed up as princesses, that was not me. I dressed up as a Dalmatian. (laughs) And I had Dalmatian sweaters and Dalmatian pajamas. I was a Dalmatian girl, not a princess girl. Rewatching it, though, as an adult, I still love it and appreciate it, but there's so many things that I never really thought about or just, again, kind of went over my head as a kid. There is no children in this movie. It's only dogs. (laughs) (laughs) I love that because, I mean, I don't know if that's going to be my future, especially with 101 dogs. That's a lot. That was another thing (laughs) that I thought about. I was just like, how do they afford for the food and the space for all of these dogs? But I just, I appreciate that it's a different type of story. It is, in some ways, it's a love story, and in some ways, it's an adventure story. In some ways, it's like a rescue, a family. I don't know. I just, I love it. (laughs) I don't know really what else to say. (laughs) I can't really contribute because I haven't seen this movie. Whoops. (sighs) Wait, not at all? I have not seen 101 Dalmatians. Shut up. What? Oh my gosh. Okay. Next movie night, we're watching this. And Jess, I think what I love the most about this, before I even knew the word, before I even knew how much I would love this later in life, it's all about camaraderie. And not only is it camaraderie, it's dog camaraderie. (laughs) There's a part in the movie where there's the twilight bark. So when the puppies are kidnapped and Pongo and Purdy need to find them, they go out to the park and they start a barking change. They start barking and they just are trying to find someone within the area that can pass along the message. And there's such a cool scene where it just keeps getting passed along and it's just dogs working together to try to save these puppies and it's just it's so beautiful (laughs) i just love how they all work together it's all about dogs working together if it had been the same plot but with humans you wouldn't appreciate it as much oh no (laughs) 101 kids sorry kids but no (laughs) that would stress me out I just have so many memories wrapped up in this movie. I had birthday parties based on Dalmatians. I dressed up as a Dalmatian (laughs) for years and years as my Halloween costume. (laughs) And I wanted to be a dog. (laughs) This is delving deep into my childhood. But now as a kid, though, did you grasp the the morbid nature of Corella DeVille wanting these dogs to make coats. I, d- I didn't really process that, but recently when I rewatched it, I thought about how sad that is. I think I understood the urgency as a child, and I think that's what I loved about it, is just like, they, they, it, it was life and death. I didn't really understand what that meant, but I was just like, they gotta get home. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways... I love 101 Dalmatians, and I can't wait to have you watch it with me. I I love that, and this is going to be a good transition into the final movie we talk about, 101 Dalmatians means so much to you, but I can guarantee you that when we watch it together, it's not going to be quite the same for me. Yeah. <laughs> the other day, I introduced you to a Shirley Temple movie from my childhood. I had three Shirley Temple movies on VHS as a child, so I would just watch those over and over again. I, I had Heidi, A Little Princess, and Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm. When I asked Paige if she had seen Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm, she said no. And I said, Paige, it's an orphan girl on a farm. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, shut up. Time to watch it. So we watched it together. And I just thought it was so interesting that I see this movie with through this lens of just magic and nostalgia. And Paige, you seem to be watching it for the first time thinking that it was hilarious and weird. (laughs) And I just think that's so funny how, like, because I watched it as a child, I'm going to watch it differently now than somebody who's an adult now watching it for the first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was laughing at all the wrong places, apparently. (laughs) Well, you thought thought the physical comedy was hilarious, apparently. (laughs) It was just so bizarre that I just thought it was so funny. 
<laughs> this is another movie that I used to skip a lot of the songs, but now like I really appreciate Phyllis Brooks and Jack Haley's song Alone With You. Other things went over my head, like Kent's weird flirting with Gwen in his yard. <laughs> that went right over my head. I know, and I called that relationship before. And well, I, of course, I, it was obvious. But as a kid, <laughs> they would always you are. be able to pick up on that, though? Like, as an adult, like you can pretty much predict a movie plot as an adult for like a kid's movie there's rarities when you can't like I think Pixar does a good job at like throwing you twists and things that you might not expect as an adult and I think that's good storytelling not not that Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farms isn't good storytelling but do you know what I mean like the plots are pretty predictable and as an adult I could tell basically what was going to happen as a kid was that something like oh my gosh they got together after all like (laughs) I don't remember because I don't remember the very first time that I saw the movie. I just remember watching it over and over and over again and knowing what was going to happen. But you coming to it for the first time, like, could you see any of the magic in it? Or were you just thinking, oh, it's just just a Shirley Temple movie? I can see the nostalgia that it would create. I think it is interesting, though, because no matter what it is, I feel like something can be magical for a kid just because you have that early on experience yeah do you think that the movies that we watch over and over again as kids say something about us or who we will become I mean I didn't have any control over what movies I saw as a kid (laughs) I just had whatever my parents gave me so I don't know that it says anything about who I was as as far as like how I became who I became maybe but I don't really know like when I watched the when I watched Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farms Jess I just it it seemed like a movie that summed you up like it, it, it <laughs> because of the era that it came from yeah. yeah yeah so I feel like and 101 Dalmatians I love dogs <laughs> so I feel like maybe the movies that we do latch on to as kids say something about who we will become or what influences us and how that changes us My question is, do you think any of these movies will be considered classics or must-see children's movies in, like, 50 years? Because Babe, believe it or not, according to IMDb, is on some movie list of, like, top 100 movies your child should see. And I was like, what? (laughs) That movie's from 1995. So... Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, for example, do you think that that's still going to be as classic and as beloved in 50 years? It's hard to say because, like, our biases are so wrapped up in it. So, like, of course I think Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is a must-see. Well, yeah, we think that, but do we think, do you think that society as a whole is going to view those movies the same way that we do? I can, I would hope so. I, I just hope that, like, years from now, we can see the difference between movies that really tried and movies that didn't. Looking at it as an adult, I can see that Chitty Chitty Bang Bang really, really worked hard to create that movie. I can see that 101 Dalmatians, they had to draw millions, literally, of spots on those dogs. Like, they really worked hard on these movies. And if you look at, like, kids' movies nowadays, like the emoji movie or angry birds no offense to those movies but the jokes are just like so old or they're just like potty jokes or they're a lot of physical gags like they're just not putting a lot of effort into the story or the entertainment so I hope that in the future maybe we can look back and see how these movies of our childhood put in so much work and that maybe those will stand the test of time more than the movies that are being made now just to shoot them out there to kids and entertain them, you know, despite the quality. With movies, it's kind of hard to tell at this point where some of these movies are going to be in the future, whether they're going to be considered classics. But when you look at books, like people still appreciate books that came from centuries Mm -hmm. ago. So I think that if they follow the same pattern, if movies follow the same pattern as books we can probably count on a lot of them to still be considered classics. But I'm thinking like Disney movies like Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin or Mary Poppins, are those going to still be seen as they are now when years from now they have three remakes for Beauty and the Beast with all these different cast Mm -hmm. members? Is everyone still going to appreciate the original cartoon Beauty and the Beast? Or are they all going to say 
oh yeah that emma watson beauty and the beast that was just that was my childhood right? well that's that's exactly like, that is a classic yeah and that's exactly like the point with kids and nostalgia because if you're growing up as a kid in this era the movies that you're going to latch onto are the movies that are available and that are coming out probably you are going to view those movies as classics and nostalgia and you're going to overlook all of those things and no matter what you're going to cling to them because there's so many movies that I watched over and over that were bad quality and I didn't care and <laughs> and that's just the way it is when you're a kid you like it because you like it like you were saying about the live action remakes the kids these days those are going to be that's going to be their introduction to these stories it might not be the original because their parents might be taking them to the movie theater to go see live action beauty and the beast or live action cinderella that's going to be their introduction not the animated but you know 20 years from now when those kids are doing a podcast those are going to be their movies that they're going to see with nostalgia they're going to be talking about frozen yeah yeah exactly <laughs> So, I I don't know. I feel like the classics are going to be the ones that are the most innovative, I think, and put the work in. There's going to be kids that are going to love Angry Birds 12 and (laughs) all of these movies. And that's just because that's what they're exposed to and that's what they fall in love with. And I think that's kind of (laughs) beautiful. Well, do you have a challenge for us, Paige? (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm issuing this challenge not because I forgot about it, but because I put a lot of effort (laughs) into thinking about this. I believe you so wholeheartedly. (laughs) My challenge is to dust off your VHSs and dig up your DVDs and find a movie that you cherished and loved as a child and watch it again and see how it rates as an adult. If you still love it, if you see anything new, maybe watch one of the movies that we talked about and let us know what you think. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And while you're at it, if you could give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever there are ratings for podcasts, (laughs) we would very much appreciate it. And remember to subscribe if you want to see what future episodes have in store. We are all over the place, so you never know what we're going to talk about. (laughs) We are also taking suggestions or recommendations for future topics to talk about. Yeah, so let us know what you want to hear from us about. <laughs> We're open to suggestions. We've been sitting here for a we long have. time. <laughs> this is probably going to get cut down so much, and I could keep going. I have my DVD piles right next to me. I can name some off right now. Cats Don't Dance! No, please, no. <laughs> the honorable mentions are Cats Don't Dance... Pete's Dragon, The Parent Trap, Jess. Ugh, all versions of The Parent all versions Trap. Of the Parent Trap. The Swan Princess, that has some serious issues. Oh, what was the quote from that movie? That's fine.